Welcome to the Christian Ministry Church Podcast. We're praying that this message equips and empowers you to live in the kingdom of God. Now for today's message by Pastor Paul Kern. Well, if you're joining us for the first time, we want to welcome you to church. My name is Paul Kern. I'm one of the pastors on the staff. We're so glad that you're here. And if you're joining us on live stream, YouTube, we want to welcome you. Also, we have a lot of listeners, church, that listen through uh, various outlets of our audio podcast, literally thousands and thousands of listeners uh, each and every week. And we want to welcome you guys too. And we just pray that the word really, really, really ministers to you today. Are y'all ready for the word? I want to talk to you about winning on the devil's battleground, winning on the devil's battleground. And, 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 you know, for a believer, we all understand where the battle is. It's in our minds. That's where the fight takes place. Every day, every week, thoughts that come into our mind are what we are battling. As a matter of fact, in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, and we've read this many, many times, it says, don't worry about anything. Instead, what? Pray about everything. Tell God what you need. Thank Him for all that He has done. Now listen, then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything that we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. His peace will what? Guard. You know, it's interesting that word guard, if you look it up in the Greek, it's the same word that we use for umpire. So his word will umpire your mind. See, peace is something that Jesus gave us. It's a gift. He said, my peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. And isn't peace what the world is so much looking for today? I mean, in a, in a day and time where there's really a lot of chaos going on, people, even believers, are struggling to walk in peace. But God has made his peace available to us, and God's peace is designed to guard and protect our lives, to keep us in a place of rest and connected with Him. Turn with me to Isaiah 55. I want to look at this with you. Isaiah 55, verse 8, and we're going to just read a few verses together. Well, as a matter of fact, let's start with verse 6. Isaiah 55, verse 6, and then we'll go down to verse 8. Seek the Lord while you can find him. Call on him now while he is near. My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord, and my ways are far beyond anything that you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways above your ways and my thoughts above your thoughts, The rain and the snow come down from the heavens, and they stay on the ground and water the earth. They cause the grain to grow, producing seed for the sower and bread for the hungry. It is the same with my word. I send it out. It always produces fruit. Can I have an amen? And it will accomplish all I want it to, and it will prosper everywhere I send it. Now, let's look at this. My thoughts are not your thoughts. God's thoughts are are different from our thoughts. God's ways are different from our ways. And and so much of our winning depends upon our thinking, how we think, how we process circumstances and situations that we all face each and every day. And the devil gains entrance into our lives through our thoughts. And I want to develop this a little bit with us this morning. You know, many people grow weary and give up, not because they can't handle it physically. It's just because they get defeated mentally. The devil gets them in their minds, and he convinces them that they cannot accomplish whatever it is that's in front of them, and so he defeats us in our minds. See, thinking right thoughts is so important because right thoughts will draw you into optimism, amen, hope, faith, trust, confidence. Wrong thoughts will have you over here living defeated, discouraged, overwhelmed, feeling alone, hopeless, feeling like you're incapable, like you can't even accomplish what it is that God has for you. So thinking the right thoughts are so vitally important. Now, Isaiah 55, verse 8, everybody look at it. 
My thoughts are not your thoughts. So what are God's thoughts? We got to get God's thoughts. Well, God's thoughts are God's word. That's God's thoughts. If you ever want to know what God thinks about you, what God thinks about your future, what God thinks about your circumstances, whatever it is that you're facing, all you have to do is go read his word. His word will give you his thoughts. Now, this is where victory is found. But it's important that we understand our enemy, the devil, is a strategist, okay? He's a strategist. The, the thing that makes the devil so good at being evil is he is a strategist. He, he develops strategies and plans of attack to come against us in our lives. So do you, and this is my question to you, do you perceive the enemy in your life? Do you perceive him? Can you spot an attack when it's launched on you? Do you even know if you're in an attack? See, I, I meet people and, and after I have a little bit of a conversation with them, I can tell they're under attack, but they don't realize they're in attack and they don't realize that the thoughts that they're thinking are not their thoughts, but their thoughts that have been planted, their, their terrors that have been planted within the wheat of the word in their minds and they're allowing that to come in and choke out the truth that God says about them. Can I have an amen? There was a, uh, a behaviorist, a psychologist uh, from Russia a long time ago, Ivan Petrovich Pavlov. Uh, how many of y'all ever heard of Pavlov's dog, right? <clears throat> Pavlov's dog. Well, you know, basically what it was is because he was a behaviorist, he studied the behavior of animals and people. So what he did, for those of you who aren't aware of Pavlov's dog, so he had a dog and he had some treats he would ring a bell and then he would give the dog a treat. Every time he rang the bell, he gave the dog a treat. So he conditioned the dog to know that when the bell rang, what was coming? A treat. And so instantly, when he rang the bell after a period of time, the dog's mouth would start salivating. Now I have a dog and it's not Pavlov's dog, it's Paul's dog. And, um, her name is Riley. She's a boxer. <clears throat> she's eight and a half years old. She's as sweet as she could possibly be. I mean, I love my dog. And uh, just a dirty little guilty pleasure that I enjoy in the evenings is peanut butter and crackers. I don't know if anybody else does that, but I, I, I like peanut butters and cracker because, you know, it's not like eating something super sugary and sweet, so it's not as bad for you, and it does have some protein in it, so I don't feel quite so guilty about doing it. And so I get some saltine crackers out or whatever kind of crackers available and peanut butter and sit down and I have my peanut butter and crackers in the evenings. And so my dog Riley, she has been conditioned, kind of like Pavlov's dog, Paul's dog has been conditioned. When she hears that wrapper being, you know, twisted up, she knows that I'm done. And she is watching that spoon. I mean, I could take the spoon like this. She's like, I mean, she, I mean, and I'm talking as soon as the wrapper starts being wrapped up, the waterworks start happening. So I got to get the spoon there quickly or I'm going to have a huge, pu my dog can salivate. Let me tell you. I mean, I've never seen anything like it. Anybody have dogs like that? I mean, they, they just, they can really put it out there. So I got to get the spoon there quick so that she can, you know, lick the peanut butter off the spoon. So, you know, it's, it's an experiment through conditioning, right, through, through behavior. So Pavlov, he, he did this other experiment that was really cool. He had this big aquarium, this big fish tank, and he put a piece of glass in the middle of the tank that divided the tank, and on one side of the tank he put a pike, a big old you know, they're, they're great to fish for. They're a real good fighting fish, a big pike on one side, and he put a minnow on the other side. And so this pike would, just like any normal fish would do, he's going after this minnow. And every time that he went after this minnow, he would hit his head on this glass and, you know, get a headache, right? 
And he did this day after day, trying to get this minnow, because this minnow's just swimming around in there, and of course, Pike's instinct is to eat the minnow, and he would try to attack the minnow and get the minnow, and every time he did, he would hit the glass. And man, you know, headache for the pike. Well, finally, the pike just said, I can't get the minnow. Over a period of time, his behavior was conditioned to believe that the minnow was ungettable. And so what Pavlov did when the pike got to the point to where he didn't even concern himself with the minnow, he reached in and he took the glass divider out of the aquarium. And now the minnow is swimming all around the aquarium, all around the pike, and the pike does nothing. He's not even trying to get the minnow at all because the pike had been totally convinced that that minnow was ungettable. I mean, completely, all the way, he was convinced down to his fins. I mean, I cannot get this minnow. It's impossible. And this minnow, you know, he's just swimming around right underneath this whiskers. And he, well, I don't know if, I don't think pike have whispers. You know, we're in Arkansas, so pretend it's a catfish, whatever. They got whispers. They got whiskers. So what's, what's my point? My point is this. The devil has attacked some people so hard and for so long that they have been convinced, just like that pike, that there are certain dreams and aspirations and freedoms and deliverances and breakthroughs and miracles that they will never, ever get a hold of because they have been convinced, because they've hit their head on that glass so many times when they prayed, it didn't happen. He's convinced you that you'll never get out of debt. He's convinced you that you'll never fall in love and have a family. He's convinced you that your kids will never get their life turned around and get straightened out. He's convinced you that the dream for a business or a home or whatever it is that you're believing God for, because it hasn't happened and you've prayed it so many times and you feel like you've come under so much attack and so many obstacles and so many difficulties that you've just given up, given up. And just like that pike, God's provisions are right under your nose. Come on, I'm preaching better than your amen. And are y'all hearing me? Do you recognize the enemy's strategy in your life? The title of my message is Winning on the Devil's Battleground. Are you winning on the devil's battleground? See, Jesus... He, he's come. He's removed the barrier. He's taken it away. God's best is available to you. His provisions are right under your nose. But do you believe it? And are you going for them? Or have you been like the pike that you bruised your noggin a few times and you've just finally convinced yourself that it isn't going to happen for you? See, Church, we've got to cast out erroneous thinking. And see, this is where the devil is the strategist because what the devil will do is he knows that he may not get you with the first lie, but he'll just keep telling them to you and attacking you until he wears you down. See, that's what endurance is all about. The Bible says we have need for endurance because the enemy doesn't just attack once. He attacks again and again and again and again and again. And the people who lose the battle, number one, are people who don't even have any idea that they're in a battle. The people who are going to lose the battle are the people who they don't even, they don't wake up every day understanding that they have an enemy and he is a strategist. And his plan is to rob your faith, rob your joy, rob your hope, rob your life, take everything from you, steal it all. So you're left with nothing, no friends, no hope, no dreams, no aspirations, no faith. And then you're an agnostic or an atheist. And it's happening every day. 
The Bible talks about a great apostasy, a great falling away in the end times. And what happens is, is when the pressure gets turned up and the heat gets cranked up, like it's going to be this week <laughs> in the natural, people faint. They faint under that attack. See, the enemy, he knows he's in a battle. My question to you is, do you know you're in a battle? Listen, for years, they said that the sound barrier couldn't be broken. I mean, for years. Like, you can't break the sound barrier. As a matter of fact, some really intelligent scientists, some 75 years ago, said that if you were to travel over the speed of 15 miles per hour, you would suffocate and die. That's what they said. Now listen, the science of today is always outdated by the science of tomorrow, right? Because, you know, we hear that all the time, follow the science. Follow the science. Well, the science of today is always outdated by the science of tomorrow. People said for years that the sound barrier couldn't be broken, yet some men got together. They persevered through trial and error. They accomplished breaking the barrier of sound, the speed of sound. Is that not amazing that, that we can fly faster than the speed of sound? Now, they did that through trial and error. They did that through perseverance, right? They did that through belief. You see, it was all in the thinking of these men. So are, are you an optimist or are you a pessimist? Are you hopeful or are you hopeless? Are you walking in faith or are you walking in fear? Fear will have you leaning back. Your posture will be different. Faith will have you leaning in, trusting God, believing, hoping, praying, fighting. Fighting. Not cowering and, you know, something happens. You know, people's reaction, you know, oh, you know what's going to happen next? What's going to happen next? What's going to happen next? And they're just in this defensive posture all the time. They're not in an offensive posture. How determined are you? How determined are you to get what God has for you? Listen, you got to show the devil that you're more determined than he is for the things that you're believing God for. Well, I just really want to do this. I really want to have this. I really want to go there. Okay, I, I get that. I get it. You want it. But, but how strong is your want to? See, how long will it last? You know, lots of people start things and, and they get all excited. But if you're going to get what God has for you to get, you're going to have to have a want to that the devil can't put out just because he attacks you for a little while. See, greater is he that is in me than he that is. Come on. Come on. How strong is your want to? Hebrews 12, 1 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that easily trips us up. Let us run with, there's that word, endurance, the race that God set before us. And we do this by keeping our eyes on who? Your neighbor? Your pastor? Your friend, your best friend, who used to really be sold out to God and now they're not? No. We do this by keeping our eyes on who? Help me preach. Help me preach. Help me preach. Jesus. He is the author and perfecter of our faith. He's the one that initiates it and he's the one that perfects it. And it says, because of the joy awaiting him, come home. He endured the cross disregarding its shame, and now he is seated in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think of all the hostility that Jesus endured by sinful people so that you do not become weary and give up. See, before your body ever faints, your mind faints. The devil's gonna, he's going to have to defeat you in your mind first before he can defeat you in other areas of your life. 
But let me put it to you this way. Before the devil can defeat you, he has to convince you that you're defeatable. And so now you've adapted this mentality of, well, that happens for some people, but that can't happen for me. You know what the devil wants to convince you of? The devil wants to convince you that you have a genealogy curse on your family that the blood of Jesus is not powerful enough to break and that you're going to live under that curse for the rest of your life. And the thing is, there are believers that the enemy has convinced that that is what is going to be the cards for their life. And so they accept it. Listen, you can't rehearse the lies of the enemy and win. You can't. You know, I tell people all the time, listen, don't let the devil make your ear a garbage can for him to dump his trash in. Your ear is not trash. It's not a trash can. Your ear is, is a gift that God gave you to be able to hear and perceive what God is saying and speaking into your life. But once again, it's our minds that the devil wants to control. And the enemy will try to overwhelm you with fear and with doubt and negativity and hopelessness. Here, here's a lesson that I encourage all of you to put into practice, and I tell our uh, Leaders Academy interns to do this. And I just think this is a good rule. Leaders don't listen to themselves. They talk to themselves. Leaders don't listen to themselves. They talk to themselves. And what do they talk to themselves? They talk God's Word. That's how you win. That's how the battle is won. That's how you defeat the enemy. We overcome him by the blood of the Lamb and the Word of our God, you set me, you, you delivered me. God, you worked that out. You made that happen then. God, surely your arm is not short now. Surely, God, you can make it happen again. So you just got to have that, that mentality about you. But you can't rehearse the lies of the enemy and, and win. The enemy is out for your mind. Listen, the devil will always speak to your mind. He will never speak to your heart. The devil has no access to your heart. He has access to your mind, which will make your heart sick. But he's going to speak to your mind. So when you start having these negative thoughts, when these things start coming, when you start questioning, you start doubting. I mean, I'm watching it happen to a lot of Christian young people today. They don't even believe in God anymore. They don't even believe that God's even real. Just because they face a little bit of opposition. I mean, come on. Where's your grit? Where's your backbone? Where's your strength? Where's your endurance? But see, he, he convinces but he whispers it in your ear, and that's where the devil comes. So if you ever get messages in your mind and you think it's God, listen, it's not God. Because God doesn't speak to you in your mind. God, speak, God is spirit, right? God is spirit, and he connects with us in the spirit. It says he looks for those who will worship him in what? Spirit and truth. And, and truth is, this, the Bible is what God says God looks like, not culture. The Bible is what says God likes and doesn't like, hates and loves, expects and doesn't expect, the Bible. See, so that, that's where we're grounded. That's where we're rooted. And so the devil knows that if he can enter through your mind and he'll attack your reasoning, he'll attack your will that'll influence your emotions, then he can get you. But only God talks to your spirit. The devil comes into your mind. So when I connect with God in prayer, I'm connecting in the spirit. And when God talks to me, I'm not listening with my mind. Guess what I'm listening with? My heart. You, you can literally, you know, this is just good practice for anybody. Okay, when you're, when, you know, we talked about last Wednesday, if you didn't get to hear my message, I was talking about uh, prayer, because Jesus was teaching on the Lord's Prayer, and I talked about how that was just a model, that was just instruction, that wasn't actually <laughs> a prayer, that wasn't the Lord's Prayer. We call it the Lord's Prayer, but it's not the Lord's Prayer, it's the teaching on prayer. This is how you pray, 
But, but when, you, when you go into your prayer closet with the Lord in private, God is going to connect with you right here. This is where you're going to feel it, not here. You got to get this out of the way. This is called, oftentimes in the Scripture, the carnal what? Mind. It is depraved. Now, when you're born again, this is what is made new, right? It says, a heart of stone has been turned into a heart of boom, 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 boom. Jesus lives in you, boom, 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 boom. His heartbeat is your heartbeat, boom, 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 boom. And see, if you're, if you're leaned in, your ear is leaned in into the bosom of your father, close, You'll hear his heartbeat. You'll hear God's heart. You'll perceive what God will have you do, who he will have you do it with, how he will have you do it. Are you hearing me, church? Now, listen, I'm about to tell you something, and it's hard to believe, but, I mean, it's true nonetheless. No matter how hard it is for you to believe this, it is true. Are y'all ready? Are y'all ready? I got to have a little more enthusiasm than that. Come on. More than two people in the room. Yeah. Y'all are a tough crowd. Thank you for your enthusiasm. We're going to have to work on amens and cheers in this church. Well, not the ones that are doing it, the, the rest of you boring people that are here, not all you other people. So, so here it is. One wrong thought can stop the power of God in your life. Just one. One wrong thought. One wrong thought can hold you captive your entire life. One wrong thought can keep you from forgiving and walking in freedom. One wrong thought can keep you poor. One wrong thought can keep you single. One wrong thought can keep you unemployed. One wrong thought can keep you from walking into the plan and the purposes that God has for your life. One wrong thought. Now, that's pretty scary. But guess what? One right thought can change every bit of that. See, thoughts are powerful. They're so, so powerful, and that's where the battleground takes place. I mean, there are times the enemy will attack you so hard in your mind, you will think you are losing it. Now, nobody will ever admit that. Nobody's ever going to tell anybody, you know, I'm losing it. <laughs> and, and like, I'm, I'm really, I think I'm losing it. I've been there. I was under so much duress and so much attack that I thought, I don't know. I, 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 I'm not sure I'm going to get through this. And you know what the devil was telling me? You're not going to get through this. But then I would hear my father's voice, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. In this world you will have trouble, but be of good courage, for I have overcome the world, right? And then faith comes in hope and strength and endurance. All of that, one wrong thought. A good example of this is uh, in 2 Kings chapter 5. I don't know if y'all have ever read this story in 2 Kings. It's about Naaman. Naaman was the commander of King Arman's, uh, Aram's army. And he was, a, he was a really awesome commander, won lots of battles. God had given him many victories fighting for this king. And even though he was a mighty warrior, um, Naaman suffered from leprosy, really terrible disease, very painful. Well, the king, he heard about this prophet in a distant land who had the power to heal. He had heard about it. So he got with Naaman, and he had a conversation with him, and he says, Naaman, I want you to go find this guy, this prophet, this healer. I want you to go find him. I'm going to send you because he's got to cross different territories. So he says, I'm going to write a personal letter to this prophet, because he's the king. So it's like the president, right? You know, it's like a big deal. 
He, he writes a personal letter. He seals it with his insignia in hot wax, showing that it's official. Not only does he send him with an official letter, but he also sends him with gifts. Check this out. 750 pounds of silver, 150 pounds of gold, and 10 sets of clothing, like 10 suits, like the nice ones, you know, slim fit, sharp, they look really good. New pair of shoes, tie, belt, the whole nine yards, 10 pair of them. And he says, now take these gifts, this guy, because surely, you know, he won't turn you down with a letter and all this silver and gold and all this stuff. So Naaman, he sets out. Well, Elisha was the prophet, and God had already told him in the spirit what was going to happen. And so, you know, Naaman shows up at Elisha's house, and Elisha won't even come to the door. He won't even come to meet him. He sends out his servant. And his servant tells him what Elisha told him to tell Naaman. So first off, it says, Naaman is offended I've, do you not know who I am, bro? I'm the king's, I've traveled all this, I've, look at, you know how you have the courtesy to come out and meet me in person? Nope. So, Naaman's guy, I mean, uh, Elijah's guy comes out and he says, here's what the prophet says you need to do. You need to go dip seven times in the Jordan River, and the seventh time that you dip in the Jordan River, you're going to be healed of leprosy. That sounds like pretty good news to me. I'm like, hey, come on. Not Naaman. He's offended. He's mad. He's mad, number one, that Elisha wouldn't come out and meet him. And then number two, he, well, he, he starts talking like, why am I going to go get in the Jordan River, that nasty river? We got way better rivers back home. Well, I go, if, I, if I'm going to get healed from water, I'm going to go get in some nice, good water from a clean river, not the Jordan River. So he's got issues, right, across the board. So he left offended. He argued over all that. Well, verse 11, 2 Kings 5, verse 11, it gives the reason that, that Naaman almost missed his miracle. He came this close to missing it. It says, but Naaman became angry and stalked away. And here's what it says. Everybody listen. This is him thinking. I thought he would certainly come out to meet me. Did y'all catch it? I thought. I thought. Now, he's the one with leprosy. And he thought. So his officers, they try to reason with him. It's like, Commander, if he asked you to do some great thing, some big deal, wouldn't you have done it? And he was like, well, yeah, I would have done it. He said, then, then why not just go do this easy task? I mean, the Jordan's right here. Just walk down and do what the guy said. Just do this simple thing. And to Naaman's credit, he pushed the wrong thought, come on, out of his mind, and he simply obeyed, and he went down, and on the seventh time, when that homeboy came out of the water, guess what? He was healed of leprosy, and this guy's an older guy, and guess what it said? He had skin like a young person. Now, a lot of people pay a lot of money when they get older to get good skin like a young, we get facelifts and scrubs and pills and lasers and everything else. He didn't have to do any of that. He just dipped in a dirty river. It, it made no sense. No sense. Here's my point, church. You better guard your thoughts. Satan will destroy your marriage with one wrong thought if you let him. Satan will destroy your relationship with your kids with one wrong thought. If the devil will drive prosperity right out of your life with one wrong thought if you let him. The devil will keep you single, alone, feeling sorry for yourself your entire life with one wrong thought if you let him. 
But guess what? If we align ourselves with what God thinks about us, and we start saying out of our mouth by reading the word and knowing what God says about us, and we start speaking that and prophesying that over our marriages, over our children, over, come on, our future, over things that matter in our life. See, it can all be diverted and turned around. God's thoughts, they have to be first and foremost in our minds. First and foremost in our minds. First and foremost over anything else. So as I close, I want to leave you with this thought. Don't be like that pike. Don't be like that pike swimming around in that aquarium. He banged his head against that glass a few times, and now he is convinced to his fins that he will never get that minnow. That'll never be his. And yet... The barrier has been removed, hello? That thing that separated us has been removed, and now God's provision and God's blessings and all that God has for us, I mean, there's a huge ocean out there of blessings that God has for us. And if we'll just believe, see, but we got to fight. I love what Josh always says. We fight from a position of victory, not defeat. Christ has won the battle. Don't be like Naaman. He tried to put God in a box of his own reasoning. Have y'all ever done that? Like, I mean, I've, I've been guilty of this. It's like um, when I pray, okay, God, here's the plan. <laughs> y'all see, y'all done it, hadn't you? Yeah, y'all, you ones that are laughing, like, oh, dang it, he got me. Yeah, all right, so God, here's the plan. I, I, this is what needs to happen. Now, here is choice A. This is the one that really is the best option as we're counseling God. <laughs> you know, what's the best option? This is the best option. Now, I realize things happen, things come up, so here's option B. You can do this one. Not really what I prefer, but if A can't work, B, B is good. Have y'all ever done that? And then God, being God, you know, being the kind of God that he is, he, he answers that prayer in a way that you never, ever, 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 ever in a million years ever would have had that thought. It's almost like, it's almost like going to the restaurant and, and the waiter messes up your order and you get all mad about it because that wasn't plan A. Plan A was for my food to make it here intact and exactly what I wanted and it didn't get here, it's all messed up. And so the food gets there and it's not right and now you're upset. But what you don't realize is God's wanting to bless you with a free meal. If you just get your attitude right and quit complaining and giving the waiter a hard time and be nice, you're gonna get another meal and it's gonna be free because God's wanting to bless you. But see, because you can't see that option, you can't see the forest because of the tree. And so now you're just. And so many of the blessings and the provisions that God brings in our life first comes through avenues of difficulty and struggle. God, I prayed. You didn't do it. I don't even know if I believe in God anymore. Oh, come on. Listen, I, I, this is something I always say, and this is like minimal, okay? If you, if you can't pray for something more than three days, you don't want it. You know, we say some prayer in the shower when it's convenient, you know, we got a little free time on our mind, or in between a commercial, we and, and then it doesn't happen. We'll see God. So let, let, let's just think about that a minute. 
So if every prayer that you prayed in the shower or during a commercial or if you just really didn't give yourself to it, you just kind of threw it up there, every one that you did, God answered it immediately. What kind of person would you be? Well, yeah, there's a name for it. A spoiled, help me, brat. You would be as weak as water. You would have no strength of character, no grit, no backbone, no fortitude, no ability to press on. And let me tell you what happened to you. Life would plow you over like a steamroller. See, it's through the opposition. It's through the struggle. It's in the asking and the travailing and the asking and the travailing. Come on, and the asking and the travailing. And then the negative thoughts, and it isn't going to happen, and you got to push through that. And you got to fight to get God's thoughts about your husband, your wife, your child, your future, your business. You got to fight it because you've been thinking the wrong thought because you just gave in. See, you can't be the pike, and, and, and you can't be naming. You can't put God, you know, in a box. Well, I don't have me go dip in the Jordan. I ain't dipping in no Jordan River. It's nasty. Well, God's probably going to have you do a lot of things in your lifetime that you, you, you wouldn't have picked it. You wouldn't have done it that way. You wouldn't have answered the prayer that way. No, probably what you would have done is you would have taken the path of least resistance and you would have answered it that way so that it would not be hard. Because we don't like hard. That's hard. That's hard. It's so hard. It's hard to walk up this. It's, it's steep. I get tired. Why'd they put it on the slant anyway? What are we doing? It's hard. My calves start hurting. And it is. I mean, I'm, I'm not saying that it isn't, and I'm not making fun of people that say it. I, I totally agree. But that's the yin and yang of life. The stuff that's the hardest is usually the stuff that's the bestest. I don't know if that's proper English, but are you winning on the devil's battleground today? As I close, do you know you have an enemy? Do you know he is a strategist? And do you know that his goal is John 10, 10, to ki- he is a thief. He is a thief. Y'all hear me? He is a thief. A thief, a thief. He wants to steal everything good in your life. He wants to destroy and kill every resemblance of everything good, of anything hopeful, of anything faith-filled. He wants to come and rob you of it all, and he will attack you and attack you and attack you until he convinces you to believe that God can't do it and it's not for you, and this is just the way your life is going to be. As unfair as it is, and it is. I'm not saying that it isn't. It is. There's lots of things that happen to me that isn't fair. But it isn't about what's fair or what isn't fair. Quit saying that. Stop that coming out of your mouth. It's not fair. Just quit saying that. What good is that going to do you? What is that going to produce that's going to create any kind of positive attitude in your life? Listen, when I saw Jesus Christ on that cross, and he was suffering, and he was bleeding, and he was paying for the sins of people, and he had never done anything wrong. He was undeserving. He was a perfect man. When I saw Jesus hanging on that cross, you know what that settled for me for all time? That my life was going to be fair. 
So I don't wake up in the morning expecting life to be fair, and when it's not fair, my air conditioner just went out in my truck. It's not fair. You know what they told me it was going to cost? You don't want to know. You would pass out. It's unreal. And then my battery on top of that was dead. Now, is that fair? Well, I don't know if it's fair or not, but it's just life. So, but, but how am I going to navigate that? How am I going to think about that? You know what, God? Air conditioners go out. But I know you got cattle on a thousand hills. You provided for me for all these years. You'll provide for me now. I'm going to put my confidence and trust in you. I'm going to do my homework. I'm going to research it. I'm going to find the best price, the best way. Whatever opposition comes against me, it isn't going to stop me because nothing can stop you. Greater are you that are in me than he that is in the world. And it can be your air conditioner. It can be your child. It can be your health. It can be any area of your life. Do you perceive you have an enemy? Do you perceive he's a strategist? Do you perceive that his goal is to rob and steal from you? And then do you perceive that you are a child of God, adopted, anointed, appointed for such a time as this? And guess what? Guess what? You're a king's kid. You belong to him. And Jesus said, but I have come. See, look, here's an enemy. Here's a strategy. I'm setting you up. I'm just making you aware so it won't catch you off guard. Monday morning when you wake up and you get the bad news or Friday night when something happens, I just want to make you aware. But I also want to make you aware. But, but listen to me. But I have come that you might have, help me preach, church, life and that that life would be abundant. Now, that doesn't mean that you're having a life void of battles. That just means that you're going to get the victory. Why? Because we fight from a position of victory. Why? Because Jesus has already, come on, got the victory. Amen? Stand with me this morning. Let's give God a hand clap. He's worthy of praise. Come on, no patty cake. Let's give God some praise in this place. Lord, we praise you today. We worship you. We honor you. Now, I'll let you out early, so I want to do something real quick. Bow your head. Everybody in the room. Now, maybe you need to repent. Maybe. Just maybe you might need to repent. God, forgive me. I've let my attitude go sour. I've let the enemy sap my faith and my strength. I stopped believing for that miracle. I've been walking in doubt and fear and anxiety. I haven't had the peace of God in my life. Lord, forgive me. God, I ask that you forgive me of a wrong attitude. And Lord, today, at this moment, right now, in this place, as I'm listening live stream, as I'm playing this in my car, wherever I'm at, God, right now, right now, in this moment, there's no distance in the Spirit. I lay that down. And God, I align my thoughts with your thoughts. I align my ways with your ways because, Lord, I have your heartbeat and I have your mind because Christ lives inside of me. So, Lord, I repent in this week. I will not, I will not, say it with me, I will not pray the problem. I will pray the answer. I will pray the word. I will prophesy over my future. Now, Lord, we ask that you help us. 
we know that you forgive us because 1 John 1, 1.9 says, if we confess our sins, you're faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So we know that we're forgiven by faith. And we receive that forgiveness, Lord, and we thank you. And we know, God, that if we will humble ourselves, your word says that you will exalt us. And we're humbling ourselves before you. And we're asking you, God, to help us. Help us. Heal us. Encourage us. Empower us. To be a blessing. Lord, that we're not so focused on ourselves, but we're focused on you and your promises, and then, God, you can use us to be a blessing to other people all throughout our week. That's what we want, Lord. That's our prayer, God. That's what we're asking for. So, Lord, we give you thanks and praise today that you are able to help realign our thinking so that we're thinking what is right and holy and pure and good and godly and honorable and hope-filled. Not all that other trash that the enemy tries to put us. And Satan, we serve you notice in the name of Jesus that you are rebuked, that we take authority over you, And we command you in the mighty name of God's Son, Jesus Christ, to take your hands off of our possessions. Everything that belongs to us, everything that the enemy has stolen, everything that the canker worm has tried to devour, that God, you will restore in the name of Jesus. And everyone said... Amen and amen. God bless you. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to this message from Christian Ministries Church. If this message impacted you and you'd like to sow into our ministry, you can give at cmchurch.com. If you'd like to listen to more of our messages, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Just search for Christian Ministries. God bless.